0: through in this series, uh, we're looking at building your house, God building his house, and we've been discussing in this, this season um, what it looks like in regards to power and how power is connected to God building his house and how we understand power. And if you were here last week, either online with us or in person, we talked about the power of sin in our lives and how sin affects us. And uh, I pray that we all took some time to allow God to search us, to know us, uh, to make our hearts known and expose anything in us that uh, keeps us from the path to everlasting that God has for us. Um, And maybe you had time this week and one of the things that I I, uh, encourage you to do was to just allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the impact that sin has on our culture from big ways to to small ways, whatever, the way that sin is crouching, waiting to ensnare us and how it can become systematically uh, rooted in our lives and in our culture. Because here's the thing, if we gloss too quickly over the reality of sin, what we end up doing is we look to manage sin rather than uproot it and destroy it in our lives. Eugene Peterson, uh, who is the, the author and the, the writer of the message version of the Bible, he, sa- he stated it like this. He said this, My concern, concern is provoked by the observation that so many who understand themselves to be followers of Jesus without hesitation and apparently without thinking embrace the ways and means of the culture as they go about their daily living In Jesus' name. But the ways that dominate our culture have been developed either in ignorance or in defiance of the ways that Jesus uses to lead. They seem to suppose that getting on in the world means getting on in the world on the world's terms. And that the ways of Jesus are useful only in a compartmentalized area of life labeled religious. Simply put, don't let following Jesus be reduced to Sunday worship and sin management in your life because this is not how the scriptures teach us following Jesus looks like. But it's so easy to do that, isn't it? It's so easy. We have a heart response to God and we want to do what's right we want to look at how we can set up maybe some rules and boundaries that help us live the way that God wants us to live. And those, those rules keep us good. And often though, all we do is create another system of right and wrong, good and evil. And it starts the cycle all over again. Because all the rules that we put in place to try to keep us on track become rules that hold us and bind us and then cause us to look at others and say, well, they're not living by the rules that I've established. That's not right. They should be doing the same thing I'm doing. We get caught in these cycles. We make big deals out of small things. In church, it could be the way that we're greeted or maybe not greeted. Whether we got an invite to a gathering or we didn't. Whether we got asked to be on a certain leadership team or or not, maybe the songs that we're singing aren't quite the right songs. Or the message that I'm speaking isn't quite the right message or doesn't speak to you just the right way. Maybe it's the kids' ministry. It's just not quite measuring up to what we thought it could be or should be. We can quickly find fault in how the church community is working. And let's not get started then on how we see our culture around us and how we think we can do better or make them do something that makes more sense or, or try to correct their behavior. Then we either find that our faith at the end of all this is empty and we have no relationship with God or we ourselves fall off the rails. Maybe that's happened to you where you've created all these systems in life over time and then you, you look back and you go like, man... I just don't feel close to God anymore in all of this. Where is he in all this? Because we've got so attached to the rules of how we're supposed to be living and what that really looks like. Or maybe this morning, maybe you're newer in your faith journey. It started with excitement, and it seems that God has answered so many prayers just as you needed It's been easy to modify your lifestyle or behavior because it seems to be working. You change, and then God shows up and grants favor. But then it doesn't. He doesn't. There's trials. There's heartache. Trouble comes. And it's not solved the way you hoped it would be solved. And then we wonder whether the changes that we made in life were worth it after all. Because God isn't keeping his end of the bargain up. Is he real in all this? Does he even care? Is this religion just a bunch of rules? Because we based it on on this favor that we thought God was doing because we were modifying our behavior. Or maybe your church experiences look different than that. Maybe it's been dominated by leaders who abused their role and created an environment that sought not to grow you in Christ-likeness, but to serve an agenda that grew their ministry status. What you were left with was disillusionment regarding sin and the church and power. No matter your experience that you've come here today with, whether they've been some mix of this or hopefully a much healthier experience, how God wants to build his house, expand the kingdom of God is different than that. The power of sin broken by Jesus on the cross was for our freedom. And those scenarios, they aren't the freedom that God has for us. If your experience in church has left you feeling empty, if your experience in church has left you feeling that there's legalistic rules that bind everything up and there's, there's some unwritten code that you haven't figured out yet that everybody else seems to have nailed down, if, if you are looking and thinking, man, I, I modified my behavior, I started doing good things and God was there and the, now he's not and you're questioning it at all, what freedom looks like and what God has for us may look a little different. One of the writers of the Bible that we we call the Apostle Paul, he writes to a church in the city of Galatia regarding these very challenges that they were facing. And he says this in in the letter. He says this, For freedom, Christ has set us free. So stand firm then, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. And slavery in this context refers to being a slave to sin, to the flesh, to the enemy, and the powers of this world. So then how do we stand firm and not submit to a yoke of slavery? What does that look like? Again, sin management is living. It's in your own power. It's resisting the devil. But it's in your own power. But spirit empowerment is living in the power of the Spirit by first submitting to God. So today, what I'd like to do is I'd like for us to look at uh, a larger chunk of uh, the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia and how we can stand firm, have freedom, and live not under the power of sin, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's read uh, the text, the basis that we'll be looking at today. And it'll be Galatians 5, 13 to 26 that we're reading. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another... Watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you do not know what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, adultery, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things, as I've warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited provoking one another, envying one another. God, as we look to apply your word today, this letter to the church in Galatia, as we look at what you've gotten there for us, your wisdom, your understanding of power for us, and what it looks like to walk in step with the Spirit, may your word, may your Spirit reveal to us how we can continue to move forward with you And where we can walk in freedom and in step with your spirit. We pray this in your name. Amen. Now, from this text, we can see that the first thing we can see is that our freedom isn't just so we can do whatever we want. You weren't set free. You weren't released from any condemnation and guilt and whatever. Just so you could do whatever you want. You weren't set free so you could just hand out a get-out-of-jail-free card because God must forgive you for all the things that you've done wrong. That's not what it looks like. We can see that there's a specific reason that we have been given freedom. Right? God forgives and he enables us to what? serve one another. The only command that he gives is there is love your neighbor as yourself. Which echoes what Jesus, when he was speaking with uh, somebody who had come to him, and said. What are the two greatest commandments? The greatest commandments love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love others. We have been freed, we have stepped into freedom in Christ to serve and to love one another. Paul follows this with this. He says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not, you certainly will not carry out the desires of the flesh. There's this battle between our free and righteous nature in God and the sin nature in us that we talked about last week. And it's one by not walking in our own strength, in the power of our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. We walk by the Spirit. And what that means, that is not just as, you're not walking by him like he's there and you go past him. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about walking, being empowered or enabled by the Spirit. Now, again, when we talked about what is the options here between walking in the Spirit or walking in our own strength? Paul clearly lays out where walking in our own strength leads to and what we talked on last week, right? He said, now the works of the flesh are obvious. All those things that we mentioned uh, earlier, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, adultery, sorcery. Now you may be going like, I can I can make sure, I'm checking off those boxes. I'm not having any problems so far with those things. I don't have any idols that I bow down to. I'm not doing any of those other things. I'm not into sorcery or anything like that. But the next few, all of a sudden, can get a little bit more touchy with us, can't they? Hatreds. Hatreds. Is there anything that we despise? Someone we despise. A group of people we despise. Strife. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy. Some of those things might touch a little bit closer to home as far as how we allow things in our own lives to play out. And he's again warning us about these things, that those who practice them and and indulge in them, but also allow them to be how they walk through life, he has a harsh statement where he says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why would he say that? Why would he be so harsh on that? Because there's walking in freedom, there's walking in the Spirit, and then there's walking in our own flesh. And he wants to draw a a hard line between what the two look like. And if we give ourselves over to all those things, then it's not the Spirit that we're walking in. It's not freedom we're walking in. We're choosing to still walk under the law, we're still choosing to walk in our sin. But when we walk by the Spirit, something else is produced. Because when we walk in, in our flesh, all those other things are the result. But when we walk in the Spirit, there's a different type of fruit that comes through, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, if you were to take a take a, a moment to pause and go like, okay, how much of that fruit is evident in my life? How much self-control am I using? How gentle am I with people? What does my, my goodness quotient look like or my kindness? Am I patient? Do I have peace? Would people consider me joyful? Would people consider... Uh, me loving, when we look at it and we go, okay, well, walking in step with the Spirit should produce those things, where my faith and the walking out of, of, of it results in those type of actions, then we ask ourselves, so how exactly do we walk in In step with the Spirit. If walking in step with the Spirit should produce that type of fruit in our lives, I should see love increase and peace and joy increase. I should see my patience increase. If that's done by walking in step with the Spirit, what does that look like? Fortunately, we don't need to guess at what that looks like. Jesus told us clearly what we must do to bear good fruit, to bear the fruit that He has for us in John 15:3 to 5 he says this already you are clean because of the word i have spoken to you the freedom that he brings to us through who he is and then he says abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine so neither can you unless you abide in me i am the vine and you are the branches He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See the connection there between walking in step with the Spirit and not walking in step with the Spirit? How there's totally different fruit that's produced. That Jesus, again, uh, he affirms that statement when he says that apart from me, you can do nothing. When we walk by the Spirit, as we abide in Jesus, and He abides in us, this is what it looks like. Abiding is, if you look at the definition, abiding means to live and to dwell. To live and to dwell. If we stop and pause and then go, am I living in Jesus? Am I dwelling in Jesus? I know it sounds like some, like, you know, ethereal, like... like how do you dwell in a person how do you live in a person but when we take it and say okay Jesus is God and we stop and we pause and say I need to allow God's presence in my life to be my life I need to live in the presence of Jesus continually and I need to dwell in his presence continually it can make a little more sense to us abiding also means to continue without fading or being lost. When you're abiding in Jesus, you're not, you're not taking, it's not a fading away over time, but you are constantly and consistently in his presence. Abiding also means to accept and to act with accordance to. And so we abide in him by accepting and acting in accordance to God's nature to who Jesus is, and how Jesus lived his life. And as we abide in him, we see the fruit produced. Our ability to walk in the Spirit comes from the fact that Jesus, through the blood-stained cross, the empty tomb, and the poured-out Spirit, has set us free. The death of our old self and sin nature has given us a chance at rebirth or being born again through the Holy Spirit in us. And as we hold tightly to this truth, this life and the way, we choose to live in that reality. We choose to dwell in Christ, to continue without fading or being lost. And as we do, the Spirit calls us to accept or submit, and to see the fruit or actions that more and more resemble the source of our life. As branches, we produce the fruit on the vine that we're attached to. And when we walk in Christ and abide in Christ, the fruit that is produced is from him. When we were attached to sin and the enemy, that produced death within us. Its power over us could only produce death. But when we step into Jesus, when we abide in him, and we stay in step with the Spirit, that is no longer. And so our first step of staying in step with the Spirit is to do this. Turn your I into an us. Turn your I into an us. Both seem uh, Both to see that you cannot do this without being in Jesus, in Him being in you, and to see that we are in this together. Instead of just thinking you are on this journey alone, instead see this as you are on this journey with Jesus and with a community. John Tyson, when when talking about this, he said this, there is hope. Each generation of believers is given an opportunity to tell the story of Jesus through the local church. God's presence among his people has always been his heart. God's vision was not only a building to to belong in, but a people to walk among. You think about it right from the the original intent when you look at God in the garden with uh, Adam and Eve. He walked with them and spent time with them. Community, being together, was his intention for us. Now, fruit doesn't grow individually. For the most part, I'm I'm sure if somebody wants to research it, they'll find find an example of one plant producing one piece of fruit. But realistically, in the the context that Jesus was talking about when he was talking about bearing fruit, he was talking about uh, fruit that grows together. You don't grow one grape on one vine at a time or one apple in one tree at a time or one pear or one banana, each from a singular plant. The fruit is produced collectively on the branches of one tree, one source, but all together it's producing that fruit. And so together, we produce the fruit within our lives as we work together to stay in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will empower you to remember what Jesus said and how to live like Jesus lived. And Jesus lived in community. If we wish to make a Jesus-sized difference in our world, if we wish to be called Christian or a little Christ, if we wish or want to be filled with the Spirit, we need to have a high regard for God's Word and God's people, the local church. Because here is how we we as the church can help each other follow Jesus and stay in step with the Spirit. You help me discern truth, the truth of Jesus, apart from the lies of the enemy. You help me walk out my spiritual disciplines You provide for me a safe place to confess my sin. You accelerate me dying to myself and living in him. You remind me that it's not all about me, that my life isn't all about me. You share your testimony, your faith, your life lessons with me. And it encourages me and strengthens me. You help me see the world through different eyes. I'm sure you can say the same thing about the community. So turning my I into an us is being present on Sunday mornings for worship. It's being known in a smaller group and it's building into something that will last long after we are gone. Now, the second way that we live and keep in step with the Spirit is to do this. Turn our I into a my. Because spiritual practice is spiritual warfare. The private life of Jesus gave him the authority to publicly share. Jesus didn't live an I-centered life, but a my-centered life. And I know it sounds like just a play on words, but if you hear me out, it's so much more. Jesus responded to them like this in John five seventeen. My father is still working and I am working also. And truly, I tell you, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. See, for Jesus, it wasn't, I have to read Torah. I have to go to the synagogue. I have to pray. Maybe some of you have felt like that through time. Torah, for for Jesus, would have been his version of, of the Bible at that time. For Jesus, it was like this. My time in Torah fills me so I can pour out to others. My time at synagogue fills me so I can serve others. My time in prayer anchors me to my father so I can see the others as he sees them. My investment in disciples, empowered by the Spirit, is going to change the world. The difference between I and my can be huge. As Jesus abided in his Father, he was, by the Spirit, enabled to live on mission. So how exactly do we walk and live and keep in step with the Spirit again? We abide in him. And today, that could be daily taking time to acknowledge that you need to live in Jesus, dwell in Jesus, be anchored in him. It could mean you daily remembering that you have to take up your cross, which means there's a part of you inside that needs to die so that he can sit on the throne of your life, so that he can be in charge, and that it's his nature that leads you rather than your own nature. So again, we abide in him. Second thing, we turn your, our eye into an us. We daily embrace his strength for us, his body, his community for us. Daily we do that. where We rely on each other and see that we become the body of Christ when we act together. And when we rely on each other, when we realize that in and of ourselves, by ourselves, we don't have it all to represent God, to represent Jesus, that we actually need each other to do so well. And the third thing, turn your eye into a mind. Daily engage in the disciplines that anchor you to him. Because the Holy Spirit is not just outside. The Holy Spirit is not just a presence in the world around us, but he is inside of us. And we are constantly needing to be filled with the Spirit. It's vital to following Jesus. It is our strength for today and our hope for tomorrow. Jesus consistently went away to lonely places so that He could abide in His Father and allow the Spirit to lead Him and guide Him in what He was to do and who He was to be. That is the example that He has set for us. Let's pray today. God, we just thank You today that the power of sin that we talked about last week It doesn't need to hold us or keep us locked. It doesn't need to um, rule our lives. But instead, we can walk in step with your Spirit. We can allow the power of the Holy Spirit to produce something different in us than what sin produces in us. Sin always leads to death in our lives. Death of relationships death of our future, death of our finances, death of our, uh, of our relationship with you when we allow sin to lead and guide us and we stay enslaved to it. But when we walk in your spirit, God, when we dwell with you and abide in you, you produce your fruit in us. You produce that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That fruit comes out of our lives when we abide in you. That is the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives producing that fruit. That enables us to live the life that you have called us to live. To be a light in a dark world. To be an example of what freedom looks like. To be free in you free from the sin nature, free from the enemy that, that looks to it, uh, ensnare us and free from the powers and the principalities of this world. No matter their control over the systems of this world, we are still free in you. So God, we pray that you would teach us how to walk in step with your spirit, to abide in you, to turn our us our I to a we, and our I to a my. Teach us how to do these things, God, so that we can stay in step, walk in step, and produce the fruit that you have for us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. The reason why we have such great hope, such great confidence, such great conviction regarding the local church, and why you should maybe too, The house that God is building is because of the person, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit through which we abide in Jesus. What God wants to build in his local church, what God wants to use his local church to do in our community, to change lives, to radically move people from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light is because of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. In us as we walk in step with him. In the Old Testament, we see Israel was led by a cloud of... of, uh, Like a pillar of of cloud by by day and a pillar of fire by night. Later, we see God's presence abiding in the Ark of the Covenant. The special chest that that, uh, was in the Holy of Holies at the center of their tabernacle and then their temple. And then we see the New Testament... When Jesus came, that Israel was led and filled by what? The Spirit in people, not in a temple, not in a special box, but in the hearts of men and women. And what was that sign? In Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We can trace our history as at Thy Word and now Life Center here in Cornwall. We can trace our history and our legacy all the way back to the beginning of Acts when the Holy Spirit fell on that place. And they began to live out that new life in the Spirit. In Acts 2, 1-4, it says, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And they saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now next week, we'll dive into what it looks like to live and have the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. But before we seek what the Spirit can do through us, I caution you and I encourage you, that only works well when you actually stay in step with the spirit when you abide in the spirit